my goddamn money. The payback's a motherfucker, ain't it? Never. Welcome to Strange Things Are Foot at the Circle K. But this is a special podcast that I'm going to do from time to time. <clears throat> this is a, the UFC edition of uh, Strange Things Are Foot. And the perspective that we're coming from, uh, there is no perspective. Just a fight fan. Um, we're just going to talk about the fights uh, that are coming up this weekend. Uh, it's, it's a Fox card, Fox 23. Um, Shevchenko versus uh, Pena. Looking forward to this fight. Actually, I'm taking a look at the card right now, and it's man, it's a it's a fucking stack card for a Fox show. Um, I'm not saying this could be a pay per view, but I've I've paid for worse. I mean, for the hardcore fan, this is definitely uh, got a lot of, a lot going on. And let's uh, let's kind of review some of these fights that are they're going to be going on, starting with um, uh, it, I mean the first fight that you got on there you have Eric Shelton versus um, um, Pantoja the guy from Ultimate Fighter the Mighty Mouse uh, Ultimate Ultimate Fighter the last season um, that should be a uh, entertaining first fight. I'm assuming that's a that's a fight pass. Um, the next fight is really going to be interesting. Rafael Sunsal versus Aljamain Sterling. We haven't seen Aljamain Sterling since uh, the uh, Brian Caraway fight, and Rafael Sunsal, of course. I, I don't think he's fought since uh, T.J. Dillashaw, UFC 200. He lost that one. Aljamain Sterling uh, coming off his first loss. Um, both super talented. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see how Sterling's going to bounce back because he was, you know, he definitely had um, some momentum and uh, kind of had the ego to match. He was he was kind of being. Um, I don't want to know if you want to say uh, groomed for um, a title shot after a couple more wins, but then he kind of ran into a tough, tough fight with uh, ex Mister Misha Tate, uh, Brian Caraway, who recently I think got injured or something, uh, but. Nonetheless, Aljamain Sterling, um, coached by uh, uh, let's see, Ray Longo, Matt Serra, um, should be an interesting fight. Okay, let's see. Just kind of, I'm just gonna kind of review some of these, before, and then you know, just talk about some of the high points and then uh, go on to some other UFC topics, UFC talk. Uh, Bobby Nash versus Jing Luang Li. I don't even know who the fuck that is. Um, I don't know that I know Bobby Nash. I'm sure I've seen him fight, but I 
can't think right off the top of my head. Um, let's see, going on up the card. Okay, Sam Alvey versus Nate Markor. That'll be a good one. Nate Markor is kind of a uh, an, an interesting um, interesting fight to say the least because um, you know he was kind of known as one of the more talented guys um, when he was coming up. Uh, all the talk about him in the gym was that he was just, you know, he was he was the guy to beat, right? And and he looked that way in, in his first UFC run. And then he just hit a spot where he was just getting fucking dropped and knocked out and fucking looked horrible and looked like he just needed to retire. I mean, people were pretty concerned for his for his uh, brain health but um, he's he's looking like he's a little bit smarter of a fighter now I don't think his chin I don't think your chin ever comes back uh, but he's doing kind of like a, an overeem thing where he kind of knows he's his chin is suspect so he's just trying to play it really smart and not just going in there and and, uh, and trying to slug it out with dudes so That'll be an interesting fight. Sam Alvey is, is a pretty tough dude. Let's see. The next fight. Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy versus Jason Knight. I don't know Jason Knight. He's 15-2, and two, but um, I can't think um, of who he's fought right off the top of my head. Um, let's see. I'm looking at him right now. It looks like... Um, Kirajiwa, he's fought. Um, I mean, he has a he definitely has a good record, but uh, you know, a lot of subpar fighters, I guess. Um, this will definitely be a test for him. <coughs> Excuse me, because Alex Caceres, I mean, he's twelve and nine, but he's just one of those dynamic fighters as a uh, really interesting style. So if he, uh, and he, and he's just tough as shit. I mean, he went five rounds with Yair Rodriguez. So, um, you know, this is what I love about MMA and, uh, UFC of course is the best MMA organization, um, head and shoulders above the next best. And I don't even know what the next best is. I, I try to watch Bellator and I, I could, I barely give a shit about, about that um i watched the most recent rising card um you know from nostalgia purposes watching some of the older fighters and guys like crow cop and and king mo uh, excuse me i got the sniffles um you know it's it, it, it we'll talk about the bellator the last bellator fight here in a little bit but you know the ufc is is definitely the pinnacle and what i love about mixed martial arts as a sport is a guy like Alex Caceres you know you look at his record 12 and 9 it's not impressive but um, if you look at who he's fought and some of the guys that he's he's lost to um, you know he hung in there with them and uh, and he's still young he's still kind of coming up and you don't see him just being completely outclassed when you see him getting beat you can tell he's getting beat by a 
a seasoned fighter and he's still trying to kind of put the pieces together he definitely has talent but um how far is that talent going to take him and how dedicated is his training i don't know but he's he's fun to watch i'll i'll tune in to watch him especially on a fox card so um you know that's a that's a good add to this card uh, the next one i'm pretty excited about uh francis Nganu, is that how you say his name I'm pretty sure. I don't know if that in is silent, but uh, Nganu um, and Andre Arlovsky. Nganu is nine and one. I haven't seen him uh, lose. I think he's four and zero in the UFC. Let me see here. Maybe five and zero. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. One, two, three. Yeah, four and zero in the UFC. Um, he just looks like a fucking monster in there. He's just a big, big heavyweight. And, um, you know, stand-up looks really good. <clears throat> he got a submission in his last fight, so should be interesting. This is a good matchup for him because Arlovsky, of course, is going to stand and trade with him. You know, Arlovsky's got some submission victories in his, in his past, but, you know, he's one of those old-school guys that he, you know, his uh, comeuppance came in a time where, uh, it was a lot of one-dimensional fighters. So, um, you know, hats off and kudos to him that he can still hang with some of these uh, young, hungry dudes, especially in the heavyweight division. So I don't know how many more fights he has left in him. I'm not going to lie. Um, his chin is definitely gone. Um, I mean, we saw that back in uh, when Fedor knocked him on his ass in that affliction uh, fight years ago. But, you know, he's he's had a good second run and, and it's kind of, a little back and forth right now, but we'll see which Arlovsky shows up and and he can still crack. So we'll we'll see what um, he can do. I you know I would definitely say if uh, I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would definitely put my money on Nganu over probably anybody else in this on this card to to be a, a shoe in. Um, not taking anything away from Arlovsky, but I just don't think that he can hang with a guy that big and strong. I mean, the guy is just like a fucking tank. Man, that dude's fucking, he's like a, he's like cartoonish fucking strong. <laughs> you just tossing dudes around and, you know, he just, he just looks like he's built out of something else. Um, anyway, the next fight, man, that's going to be a barn burner. Fucking Jorge Masvidal. And Donald Cerrone, Cowboy's looking fucking awesome. I think he's four and zero at one seventy, and Masvidal, you know, he's he's always an exciting fighter to watch. He's tough as shit. We know Cerrone's gonna bring it. Um, so that that right there, good bet fight of the night. Um, what to say about Donald? Um, you know, I think everybody. If you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, he's talking about it all the time. I'm, I'm, I, I tend to kind of lean on the side of Joe Rogan's opinion about weight cutting being, I think guys are finally figuring out that they don't have to deplete themselves. That Yeah, if they're not the bigger, stronger guy, if, if, if a guy like Cerrone who has such impeccable technique he doesn't need strength and size over a lot of those guys just because he's going to have them beat on technique alone. Um, some of these younger guys uh, that 
are still trying to figure out their technique. We'll, we'll use Alex Caceres as an example. You know, he, he, he needs every advantage that he can get. He needs to make sure to match up well. But a guy like Cerrone, seasoned veteran, um, you know, great technique, has been in some wars. Um, he's a smarter fighter now. Um, and he has so many tools. Uh, man, 170 is definitely the weight class for him. Oh, how's he going to do against some of the upper tier guys? A guy like Woodley, uh, you know, who knows? You know, Woodley's uh, strength advantage would be significant. Um, and so that's where can he crack that top five? Who knows? But um, I don't even know what he's ranked at now. I would think if he beat Masvidal that he would be close to the top five. Uh, let's see. Share dog still has him as a lightweight. Hmm. Share dog doesn't even. Doesn't show what their UFC rankings are. Not that it matters because the rankings are kind of bullshit anyway, but. <clears throat> but he's right up there with uh, with those those top dudes at 170. It's going to be very very interesting. I mean, he wants Damian Maya next, um, which would be an, uh, a really awesome fight to watch because he's he's one of those guys that he's he's super smart. Um, he would be a good matchup for Damian Maya, but who knows if anybody can get past the jujitsu of that dude. Uh, be be interesting to watch. He's been sitting on the sidelines for a little bit, waiting for that title shot. So um, that would be a good fight. So I'm kind of hoping Cowboy pulls this off. Well, I am hoping because he's one of my favorite fighters. He's he's just man. He's fun to watch when he's on, but when he's off, he's he's really off. That's what I'm scared about. It was we haven't seen him off for a while. So uh, seems like Cowboy does great until he gets a, this a huge win streak, and then he'll just have a, a, a just. A, a performance where he just doesn't show up but um you know 32 and 7 um you know most of his losses he's i can't i can't think of a close fight that he's lost i mean it seems like all his losses you know i'm thinking about you know nate diaz pettis uh um dos i mean they just they just ran through him um and he was just off. So I, I don't know that anybody in the world could beat Donald Cerrone if he's on. And I would I would almost bet that he could take anybody in 170 and, and probably half of 185 if he's on. I mean, that's how talented that dude is. I mean, if that combination against Rick Story was on, uh, it was like Tekken Tag 2, you know. It was a fucking... Uh, just a work of art. <clears throat> now, the main card. Let me let me say something real quick about women's MMA. Um, I have some opinions about a lot of things that deal with uh, the mixing of the genders in the same, uh, classifying them kind of as the as this as the equivalent. Of each other, like when, when uh, they were saying, you know, Ronda Rousey can, you know, beat up Floyd Mayweather, or um, in my world, in the infantry, uh, when they open up uh, combat arms to women in the military, I definitely have opinions about that that I will share in future podcasts. 
Uh, but I will tell you this. Women MMA fighters are... They might be tougher than the men. And and that almost sounds like a backhanded compliment. Like, oh, they're tough. They're not... No, they're, they're technical too. I mean, Shevchenko is a great example. Um, there's... Uh, they're just they're just they're, they haven't evolved as much as the men because it hasn't been around there's not as many women doing it but you know i i think women are might be a little bit more entertaining to watch just as a whole because it seems like that they just come from um they channel into a different um a different thing like like men are competitive and they're trying to be the alpha and they're you know and and they're posturing and stuff but women they come in with some fucking hate i mean some 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 people uh, juliana pena seems like one of those uh women that their fire burns fucking hot i mean ronda rousey uh you 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 hear some of the women talk i mean you're your jack jack when she is like you know saying that she's gonna you know fucking murder people and you know fuck up their face and they're not going to be able to recognize it when they're done and stuff. And the way they, they say it, they fucking mean it. There's no marketing bullshit. It's, uh, they sometimes get some, get some hate going. And boy, do I love women's MMA. I mean, love it. I live in the Midwest, so I go and watch some Invicta fights from time to time live. And, uh, man, that's, that's a fucking, that's a steal of a price, man. You can get almost right next to the cage for 50 bucks and see... Um, probably some future UFC fighters, and if you would have watched an Invicta, you know, three four years ago, you definitely. I mean, that's pretty much the whole 115 pound division right now. They all came from Invicta. Um, it's just they're just fun to watch. And um, I know we're talking about UFC, but if if you guys aren't watching Invicta on Fight Pass, um, it's a shame because every single card that they have now, from top to bottom, you just don't see. Um, you see skill. You don't see lack of talent. Even the very first fight, you see very talented fighters there taking it very, very serious. Um, good technique, good cardio. I mean, I've, I go to some local MMA events um, around where I live, and um, some of them are kind of a joke because people gas out in the, halfway through the first round, and, and the technique is, is terrible, and it's just a bunch of brawlers, and and uh, you get one or two, you know, decent fighters that have been doing it for a while. And, of course, they just fucking steamroll over dudes. And it's not, it's just not competitive. It's not entertaining. But Invicta really is. And that's, and you're starting to see the evolution of, of women's MMA. Uh, you know, we're talking about Juliana Pena coming from the Ultimate Fighter. You know, she's, she's still evolving. And she has a ton of talent. I mean, she's one of the... Uh, the first, I mean, real ground specialist um, in in that in that division. Um, of course, Misha Tate, you know, was a, a fantastic wrestler. But Juliana Pena, you know, with her submissions, uh, you know, she reminds me um, of Damian Maya because Damian Maya has such advanced jujitsu, but he but he does the same like four fucking things, and he just does them on a on a on an expert level um he doesn't try i mean you're not going to see him put somebody in a twister or uh you know some ezekiel choke or something it's i mean it's pretty much the same four things 
um, very basic transitions, but he just perfected them. And that's the way Juliana Pena looks like to me, that she's just... Um, did you hear that beep? Amazon, please don't fucking email me. Why do I have my email fucking notifications turned on? I'm an idiot. Hold on just a second. I am turning that off. I apologize. Not that this is a professional podcast. We're just hanging. And when I say we, I mean me. I like to pretend like I have a producer, which is me, or someone that edits, which is me, or someone that finds the music, which is me. Or Actually, I made the music in GarageBand, so... What am I talking about? Oh yeah, fucking Pena. You know she she has very crisp jujitsu, and I don't know what belt she is, but she just looks like one of those uh, people that just has a talent for it, and she can she's just gonna keep getting better and better, and that's just her wheelhouse. And she's tough. She's tough as shit. So, um, you know, it's gonna be a very good matchup because you want to. I mean, speaking of tough as shit, Valentina Shevchenko is not only tough as shit, but she technically. She's just a, a phenom on the feet. I mean, she strikes with the crisp, accurate strikes that you would think of uh, any professional kickboxer, male or female. So, um, you know, she's she's uh, fought and, and beaten the 115-pound champion when they were both Muay Thai fighters, which, you know, is a little um, – Misleading, just because I think she's probably a little bit bigger, but still, from a technical standpoint, she's she's just as locked on as as Joanna, I think, um, especially at this weight division. Uh, she would be one that it'd be great if they if they added that 125 pound weight class, because I think she could uh, probably you know jump down to that weight class too, because um, she's kind of small for 135. But um, I mean, she if if you look at the Amanda Nunes fight. Versus Valentina Shevchenko. If that was a five-round fight, Shevchenko would have won, without a doubt, because Nunez gassed and she got her ass handed to her that third round. So, a title fight against Nunez, I would love to see that because, <laughs> you know, Shevchenko's not getting scared by that, by that, you know, fucking uh, right or left hand of Nunez. She's uh, she's gonna be able to hang with her and and uh, in those championship rounds is where you're really gonna see see her uh, do some work. So um, I I'm picking Shevchenko in this one just because Pena um, I don't think she's fought anybody of this of this caliber. When she ran into Katzengano, I, I believe Katzengano is she's I mean she's one of my favorite fighters and I do believe that she is at she can match toe to toe with anybody in the division, but. The reason why she beat Cat, if you watch that fight, Cat was doing a lot of things right, but you could tell Cat was kind of kicking the rust off a little bit um, in UFC 200 when she fought Pena, and and you could tell she just kind of got out of position a couple times and just got a little overly aggressive. Um, but Cat definitely technically looked good, and and uh, you know she went three hard rounds with her, so I think if if they matched up again. Um, I would like to see that matchup again. I don't even want to make a prediction, but um, I can't wait for Cat to come back. But you know, I, th I think uh, Juliana Pena is going to have her work cut out for fighting against Shevchenko. Um, of course, she's going to have the advantage on the ground. But you know, Shevchenko has not looked bad on the ground. I mean, against Nunez, she reversed some positions in the third round and and got in a dominant position. And Nunez is a black belt, so. 
I, I, I tend to think that maybe Shevchenko is being, um, you know, overlooked a little bit. She looked, she, I think she took some, uh, did some takedowns against Holly Holm, if I remember correctly. So, you know, should be an interesting fight. So, uh, I'm definitely going to be tuning into that one. I'm glad I don't have to work this weekend because I am going to be checking it out. Even though I don't have cable, you know, one thing that, uh, kind of excited me is you know I have a I have a real nice TV but I'm too much of a chiseler to buy cable I think it's the biggest fucking scam and rip off ever so uh but I miss out on a lot of like UFC on Fox Sports 1 uh of course any kind of sporting event that's on ESPN or anything like that I I miss a lot of that stuff but um I don't miss it in the sense of uh, I mean, I miss it from watching it at home, but I just go to my gym and they have cable. So I'll just work out for like three hours when there's a Fox card on and just, and just watch that. But this one's on big Fox, which means with my little, uh, digital antenna that I bought for 11 bucks for my t- television, I can actually get big Fox so I can watch it in my living room. And the picture is perfect. As long as it's not like uh, overcast or something, that's how cheap I am. I make enough money that I could definitely afford cable, but I refuse to pay 120 bucks for fucking 80 channels that I'm never going to watch. Um, so I do the old Netflix slash Amazon slash Hulu slash YouTube, all that shit. <clears throat> anyway, so good UFC card. I'm always looking forward to that. Um, I, I get very pumped up before a, a UFC event. Um, only thing I don't like about the Fox events is I get sick of the commercials. It just seems like it drags when it's a when it's a Fox card. I, I will gladly pay sixty bucks to not have to watch all the commercials and shit. Um, you know, I don't mind all the promos and and the talking between Rogan and whoever Goldberg's replacement's going to be. Or, um, but I you know I don't mind that as much as it just seems like there's just tons of fucking commercials in the Fox card, but. Um, maybe it's cause I'm not used to watching television anymore. Cause I haven't had, it's, it's been over 10 years since I've had cable. So, uh, you know, everything I watch is, is streaming and I just binge watch it and turn it on and off when I want. I, I, I almost go into uh, convulsions when I stand in a hotel or at the gym and watching TV and uh, fucking commercials are on. I was in a hotel last week. Um, it was going tdy is what we call it uh, in the military i was going tdy for just a just a night and i'll stand in a hotel room and i turn on the tv and and uh what movie was playing that i wanted to see the end of um now i can't even remember and my mind's going i got too many concussions you know i, I listen to these usc fighters talk about they're worried about concussions and stuff like that. And then I get scared because I've had like three traumatic brain injuries and, and wonder, Hmm, one of these days I'm going to be doing this podcast and, and I'm just going to lose my words and, and, uh, it's going to be all she wrote. And the next day my wife's going to be changing my diapers. But, uh, anyway, so I'm in this hotel room, I'm watching television and it's a movie I've seen Oh, probably a dozen times. But for some reason, I just wanted to see the ending of it. 
And it seemed like the closer it got to the end of the movie, the more commercials that they played. And it was like every fucking three minutes, another commercial. And I was getting tired. I wanted to go to bed. I had to get up super early the next morning. But I, I couldn't do it. I could not disconnect from this television set until I saw the fucking ending. I needed that closure. You know, it's uh, it's like a... I don't know if that's an OCD thing or if that's just me being fucking stupid. But um, I'm so glad I don't have TV. Um, TV channels, cable. I have a TV. Just not... You know what I mean. Anyway... Um, I don't have to go to the gym this time and work out for three hours or pretend like I'm working out for three hours to watch this Fox card. I'm that dude that walks like two miles an hour in the treadmill or uh, lifting the 25-pound weights in front of a in TV for 30 minutes, barely breaking a sweat, just because uh, I go there just to watch the Fox card. But that's what's great about living in a small town where I live. Um, there's not a lot of fitness nuts, and so... I go to the gym at like 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and I'm pretty much the only one there. It's like I own, it's like my own personal gym. I love it. I love it. I hate going to the gym with a bunch of people. I hate having to to go up to a dude and be like, hey, can I work in on this set with you? Or, hey, can I use this when you're done? I mean, just I hate having to posture to get fucking uh, equipment. And so I'll go to the gym if there's a bunch of people there and have a full workout in my brain what I'm going to do. It's going to completely change when I get there because somebody's on a piece of equipment and and I just don't want to interact with them, so I just go find something else. I'll just do a completely different workout if it means avoiding people. I'm so antisocial. Um, I barely leave the house. You know, I'm, I'm blessed to be married to a, a wonderful woman who's pretty much my best friend and... Uh, that's all we do is just hang out. We'll watch UFC fights. We'll watch, uh, you know, TV shows. We'll binge watch something like Westworld or um, something like that on the weekends. Play some chess. You know, we might go on a car ride or something. But we're very, I mean, we're like, we live like 80-year-old married couple. Um, but to each their own, right? Uh, so when I go to the gym, I last thing I want to do is talk to people. I actually hate talking to people at the gym. It gets on my nerves. I don't go there to socialize, so I I don't put headphones in. Um, if you have headphones in, then that's really fucking weird when somebody comes up to you. Because you're like, can you not see these fucking headphones on my head? Why the hell are you talking to me right now? But I don't work out with headphones in, for the most part. And so... I just go out of my way not to make eye contact with people. I'll just look away or I'll look at my watch or <clears throat> I just burped. Is that professional broadcasting when you burp into the microphone? I have a windscreen, so I guess that's professional because it caught the burp. Uh, hmm. Anywho, talking about women's MMA, Ronda Rousey, what's going to happen to her? Well, I really don't give a fuck if she ever comes back because I don't fucking like her. And people, you know, I listen to a lot of MMA podcasts, a lot of people like defending Ronda Rousey. That's that's, that's like the, the thing to do. Like, oh, you're a loser if you, you know, want somebody to fail and laugh at somebody's demise. And it's like, all right, pump the brakes there, fuckhead. Um, 
there are people that are like that. They're jumping on the bandwagon of kicking somebody when they're down. I, I get that. But I think the hate and vitriol that people are showing toward Ronda Rousey, um, it was a long time coming. And when you act like a complete fucking tool and, you know, sell yourself as this indestructible person and I could beat up dudes and I'm, I'm, I'm better than Floyd Mayweather and I'm on the cover of fucking boxing magazines and doing fucking movies and endorsement deals and on Ellen and all these talk shows and I'm going to retire undefeated and Jesus, just read her book and see if, if you for, forget how fucking arrogant she was um, talking about these women don't even have a right to stand in the ring with me. I mean, the, the, just the, the, the level of, of um, ego that she had. Um, and maybe she played it up for her book or for the camera, but you, you can't do that and expect anything less than when you finally lose that people are going to be jumping on your proverbial grave. Um, that's just what people do. You know, you saw it with Conor McGregor, but he handled it the way that you should handle it. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of examples of, of very confident, egotistical fighters, um, Dominic Cruz, and you know, recent memory that were humbled by their loss and and you see that the true martial artists come out. But Ronda Rousey, she almost, um, she was fighting for the wrong reasons, I think. And she has some self-esteem issues. And uh, I'm not saying that that means that she should be punished or anything like that. But, you know, uh, when something like that happens, it's, it's it's a powerful opportunity to learn. You don't learn anything from a win. You don't learn anything from that. And, uh, when you listen to, to celebrities and pundits talking about it, it's like, well, you don't know what it's like. It's like everybody knows what it feels like to lose. Everybody knows what it feels like to be embarrassed or, you know, it's just, you just got to ramp it up, you know, uh, 10 levels to, to, to be at her, um, you know, to go through what she's going through. So I get that, but we don't have those, those same highs that she did when, when we win. And so it's it's fair that it hurts her a little bit more uh, because when she wins, it, it feels that much better. Um, you know, she can go cry in her fucking $10 million that she got in her last fight or whatever the fuck it is after her you know, pay-per-view points. Um, I mean, it could be worse. It's, you know, everybody knows that Americans and people in general love to you know, knock you down. Boy, do they like a comeback story. All you got to do is is stop being a douchebag. Give people a reason to cheer for you. Just any reason. And people will. They always do. And they always come back. They like to see somebody that was a former champion uh, make another run at it. I mean, that's, that's almost every fucking movie. Uh, is you see somebody just, you know, reach these, these highs and all of a sudden they lose everything and then they remember why they really, you know, started fighting, and they get it all back, you know, and one last fight, and blah 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 blah, you know, it's a it's a it's a very common story archetype. But I don't think she has it in her to do that. 
I don't think that that's who she is. I think she's a very disingenuous person. Um, and she doesn't even know who she is or why she's doing what she's doing. I don't understand how you can do all the media that you do when you win, but you can't even go to a press conference. To, to act like the MMA fans are not supposed to be disgruntled about that, that's what you get paid to do. You are in sports entertainment. If I pay $60 to watch somebody fight, I, I guarantee that I'm paying that money to watch you win or lose. And I'm also watching for uh, the storylines, the how she going to come back or however they've, they promoted it. You know, uh, this this fighter that's never lost and can somebody finally beat her? And, and I mean, that's how they marketed that. We want to hear from our champions or former champions of how they won or if they lost, how they're going to bounce back. Because the normal person, they can relate to that. Fighting is something that is not exclusive to professionals. Every single human being has the ability to fight. We Maybe not very well, but everybody has it in them. Everyone's done it, even if it's just slapping around their little brothers and sisters when they were kids or you know, getting in an all-out fucking street fight or bar fight or something like that. Everybody has it in them. It's not like watching cricket and going, I have no idea what the fuck the rules are. Fighting is just innate in every single person. Everybody knows. No one, no one needs to learn um, how to throw a punch or a kick. When they're a kid, they just start doing it. I mean, it's just there's something instinctual and primal about it. Um, so we can all understand that feeling of, of what it would be like you know, to, to, to do that. Everybody fights for something in their life, you know, uh, no matter if that's a metaphor for something or not. And so fighting for me, I was a fighter when I was a kid. Uh, I got into a lot of fights. Um, I took Taekwondo and Hapkido and, and used to spar in my backyard with all my friends. And uh, um, at a very, very low level, and, you know, fighting is a very scary thing when I was doing it just as a kid. I can't imagine going into a locked cage with some of these fucking monsters. And this is coming from a guy that's been to war, did 211 combat missions in Afghanistan as an infantryman. Um, man, that's a scary proposition. When I watch fights... When I watch the UFC, I realize how much of a fighter I'm not as far as when it comes to a performance. Like when I when I used to get in fights when I was a kid, partially is because I was kind of a dork and I got picked on a lot. And the other part is because I grew up in a really shitty neighborhood, so a lot of people were, you know, fucking always picking on you, mouthing off, trying to steal shit from you. So sooner or later, of course, everybody hates their ground zero and they just start fighting back right 
And so it was, it, it's just something that snaps inside of you and you just fight. And then afterwards you're kind of scared because you're like, oh, this could have happened or this could have happened or whatever. But I never really had to think about it too much. Except one time I, uh, somebody was talking about this kid mouthing off to me. And of course I, you know, uh, was kind of past the being bullied phase and was transitioning into being the bully. Uh, it usually happens to, to just about everybody that's bullied uh, to a certain extent. Anyway, I, I went up to this kid's house and started talking shit to him. And I just thought that something would happen. Like uh, he would piss me off and I would just go into a rage and fucking Hulk smash. And, and that would, that's how I get motivated. Uh, but instead you had some little punk fucking kid that was like, uh, acting like the Don King of the neighborhood and as matchmaker was like, Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna meet here tomorrow at three o'clock and we're gonna, you know, get the whole neighborhood and blah, blah, blah. And it just, you know, like you have 24 hours to prepare <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, 24 hours to prepare. It was 24 hours to stress the fuck out about, Oh shit. Now I don't have the adrenaline. Now I don't have the rage. Now I don't have the anger. Now I have to think about it. And I was probably 16 years old, 15. I, I, I can't, remember exactly but I do remember going back and uh the next day and and we're facing off to fight and it was a way different thing when you're not mad and I had to kind of get punched a couple times I remember he kicked me in the balls and that's what pissed me off and then I end up beating the shit out of him but in the beginning it was very stressful it was very scary the anticipation and so when I watch a UFC fight now um my heart is just racing I mean, it's fucking racing and I'm not even, of course, I'm not even fighting. I'm just watching. And, uh, my wife was making fun of me once. So I put my heart rate monitor on before, uh, the main event of, uh, it might've been the, uh, Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz too. I, I can't remember, <laughs> but it was one of the big fights. And, and I put the heart rate monitor on and my heart rate spiked at like 135. just me sitting there watching. And this is before the fight, just during the walkout. <laughs> And I'm sure probably Nate Diaz's heart rate was at 80 beats per minute, maybe. And that's, of course, elevated for him, um, you know, walking into the rink, but, or into the um, octagon. But that just shows you that, uh, you know, I don't think that I would have what it takes to be a professional fighter, even if I had the skills. I don't think I have the, the mental um, toughness to, to kind of, the calm that you need to, to be, um, a thoughtful and, and, uh, uh, concise fighter. Um, you know, I would just have to be a little ball of fucking rage like Ronda Rousey. And, and that's what I see that she has to be pissed off. She can't just go in there and, and just perform like it's, uh, like it's a, a, a job. Um, she feels the stress and how she, I think um, reacts to it as she, as she has to be angry. So, yes, I can I can relate to that, and I think there's a lot of people out there that can. They can relate to that nervousness. They can relate to to oh my God, what's it feel like, or what's what are they going through? And what I want to see in my fighters, and what I would like to see in Ronda Rousey, is to have a little respect for the fucking fans. 
you have millions of dollars and to sit there and say, well, I earned it myself. Well, it's a two-way street. Who gave you the money? How was that revenue generated if it wasn't for regular people spending a lot of their hard-earned money to watch you fight because they, they, they enjoyed the drama? And then as soon as the going gets tough, you just you turn your back. I mean, you go to the fucking Ellen show, but you won't talk to Ariel Hawani. You won't talk to fucking, you know, Fox. You won't talk to, you know, any MMA outlet or news organization. You'll you'll release a statement to fucking ESPN who, who doesn't give two fucks about the UFC. I mean, they cover it because they have to. They don't necessarily want to because their competition fucking, you know, carries the carries the UFC. <laughs> That's a slap in our face that that the only time that you tweet and the only time that you put something on Instagram is, you know, fucking hashtag Pantene or fucking Metro PCS or some bullshit like they're trying to sell us a fucking product because it wasn't like that when you were winning. You were fucking tweeting and Instagram and all kinds of bullshit. You've you forgot what fighting is about. It's about winning and it's also about losing, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it sucks, but you're still alive. I'm not a professional fighter, but I've fought in wars and every warrior that's ever fought in a war his biggest fear is losing because you, you don't come back from a loss or your buddies don't come back. And it's, of course, it's a, it's a fear. But the purity of fighting or kickboxing or, or cage fighting is, is, is that drama that you can have a resurgence, that you can have a resurrection, if you will, that you can die quote unquote in a metaphoric sense and 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 be reborn again you can find that strength you can learn something from it <coughs> excuse me and it can be powerful i mean look at cowboy Cerrone. i mean he's had some terrible losses where he just got ran over and he had to rebuild himself and the problem is that i think that she put too much of her identity into a construct that was not real. This impenetrable, undefeated juggernaut that couldn't lose. And when you do that, you know, when you think that you can't be touched and you get touched, man, that's a that's a hard pill to swallow. But you're a human being and everybody that watches you is a human being so we can relate those feelings just because you're feeling it about fighting doesn't mean that other human beings can't relate because they feel it about other things and we have sympathy toward that you're not feeling anything that we haven't felt and so if you can face the music, if you can face your fans and say, hey, you know, 
I'm going to come back stronger. Why? Because I know I'm not bulletproof. You know, there's a saying in the military, <clears throat> what I teach young privates about war, and there's a lot of good literature out there on uh, the psychology of war. And, you know, you talk about what bravery is. And everyone always says he's not being afraid. That's what a young man says. But that's not what bravery is. Bravery is when you are frightened and sometimes scared shitless, but you don't let it rattle you. You, you keep your composure, you remember your training, and you still do what you have to do. That's bravery, is you, is you, you're inside the fear, but you don't let the fear take over you. If, if there's an absence of fear, then that's not bravery. You cannot have bravery without fear being there. And Ronda Rousey has, has the opportunity to be stronger than she ever was and, and to, uh, to be a better champion than she ever was. Why? Because before, maybe she didn't have true bravery because she didn't actually have the fear not the same fear. Everybody has a fear of like, what if? But it's different when you go, what if it happens again? Not what if it's going to happen? What if it happens again? I mean, there's people that fear something that might happen, but when it's already happened, it's a different kind of fear. But it teaches you something. It's an opportunity to learn. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's something that makes us human and makes other human beings connect and if she can find a way to tune into that side of her and evolve her mindset to understand that losing those two fights the way she did, she has the opportunity to come back more powerful if she chooses to. Especially because everybody thinks they have her figured out now. But don't sit here and tell me that I'm supposed to not criticize somebody because I'm not a fighter for acting the way that she did. Because she was a role model to a lot of people and she still is. And I would never point to her and tell young girls, this is how you act or young boys, this is how you act when you win and this is how you act when you lose. That's where she missed out. And that's why people criticized her. And yes, absolutely crossed the line in some cases. And just really kicking people when they're down. And I mean, we've all been there. We've all been kicked when we're down before. <coughs> Hers was on a completely different level. But, you know, it's real easy. It's so easy to bounce back from that if you choose to. All you got to do is face the music. And you can be in the good graces of the public again. But you can't turn tail and hide. You can't ignore the people that made you rich in the first place. 
the people that bought into your hype, we don't feel like we were duped, but we do feel like we need an explanation. We want to know that you still that you still require our attention. But basically what you're saying is, I don't need you guys anymore. I don't need the MMA fans. I got other people. I got movies. I got endorsements. I don't need the MMA media, and I don't need the fans. And she always goes, well, the true fans are the ones that always, blah, blah, blah. well, you know, uh, that's not real is just being followed by a bunch of fucking yes men and women people that just want to stroke your ego that is not healthy it is it's it's not every once in a while somebody has to tell you hey man you're fucking full of shit or hey woo man you are full of shit you you know <coughs> you're not as big or as mighty as you think you are. You're not as smart as you think you are. I mean, if somebody listens to this podcast and says I'm an idiot, I'm not saying it's not going to hurt my feelings, but I'll get over it in like two seconds because I've heard it all before. I've been through a thousand times worse. I don't I, I don't want to say I don't give a shit, but I really don't. I mean, from in the grand scheme of things, I really don't give a shit. But that only comes from having a very well-developed ego that doesn't um, take over every other human emotion that's supposed to um, come in a package deal. It's not supposed to be just one, just angry and then depressed. Yeah, I mean, you have to have kind of a plethora of, of emotions in your in your bag that you can that you can pull out in the opportune time. You have to be a little bit more nuanced. So, I know Ronda Rousey would never listen to any any of this and uh but that's to the to the average person out there or to the media that's out there saying that everybody uh is being a little too hard on her. Yeah, you're probably right. They are, but they should be hard on her, maybe not to the point to the to the to where they where they um, are kicking somebody and and making fun the way that they are. But Ronda Rousey, you need to face the fucking music, just like every opponent that you beat. Katzengano got beat in what thirteen seconds, and she sat there at the fucking press conference. I don't expect you to be at the press conference when you get knocked out. I don't expect you to answer questions when you're getting stitches in your face or going to the hospital. But, <clears throat> but I do expect you to answer questions at some point and to have enough respect for your opponent to acknowledge that they whooped your ass and to have enough respect for the people that you beat to say, hey, now I understand how you feel. I mean, that's what martial arts is about. It's about knowing how fragile, you know, uh, the human body is. It's, it's, that, it's that paradox of how powerful and how fragile the, the human body is simultaneously. It's amazing. The human body is pure. Is, is, I mean, you just see, you see people that, 
you know, jump out of airplanes and get in car wrecks and they fucking walk away. And other people fucking fall once and bump their head and they're fucking dead. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's weird. That's why we watch fighting because anything can happen. It could be a, a, a war like uh, Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz too. Or it could be like uh, Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo with one punch and, and the person is down. And, or it could be anything in between. That's why we watch. So that's my take on uh, the UFC event coming up and just little um, other thoughts about uh, fighters that I, I follow and and uh, and pay attention to. Um, man, UFC should be the biggest sport in the world. Mixed martial arts, I should say, but especially the UFC. <coughs> it's so compelling. It's so awesome. I don't understand everybody fucking getting into all the behind the scenes and Dana White and fucking WME and who gives a shit just watch the entertaining fights uh, be be entertained don't be afraid to uh, to just hey you know it doesn't have to be a fucking soap opera behind the scenes too um, when it comes to like the business sense of you know the Reebok deal it's, who gives a shit Oh, the fighters are getting fucked over and blah, blah, blah. Oh, fuck. Whatever. You know, that's a, that's another podcast for another day. I probably won't make any any friends when it comes to that shit. But, you know, in a free market world, sorry. You know, uh, you, you get paid what you should be getting paid. And if you don't like it, go find something else. You know, I, I know what I'm going to get paid every single week or every two weeks in the military. And I'm not going to say that I don't want to make more money. Everybody wants to make more money, but you can't complain about it without weighing your options and going, okay, well, let me go fucking see if I can do something else. I, I do that every once in a while. And then I see, uh, this is about what I'm worth, I guess. Um, and if I'm worth more then I need to go make more, right? If you feel like that you can, uh, bring more to the table, um, Andy up. You know, there's people in the UFC that probably get paid way too much. I mean, Alistair Overeem makes $800,000. And I'd rather watch uh, Yair Rodriguez than I than Alistair Overeem. But, you know, that's the way the, the cookie crumbles, I guess, right? you got to work your way up and negotiate your deals. And, and sometimes you negotiate a good one, sometimes a bad one. But, uh, you know... Um, there's a lot of ways that people make money in this world. And uh, anytime I see a fighter complaining that they only get paid $30,000 a fight um, times three fights and, oh, I got to pay for a fucking fight camp. I got to pay for this. And I just think about those, uh, those young privates in the fucking military that are literally going to be crippled by the time that they're 50 because they're carrying you know, a hundred pounds of gear up, up and down mountains for however many years that they do it. I mean, I got tendonitis in both fucking elbows just from carrying an M24 around the mountains of Afghanistan for, for a few months. That's only, you know, only a few months, short fucking months, not 10 years. Um, just, just a few months carrying around that particular weapon without a sling and it gave me tendonitis in both fucking elbows. Um, you know, 
it sucks, but I chose to fucking do it. I'm not, I'm not looking for anybody to, to give me a, a fucking, you know, pension check from it or, <coughs> you know, uh, woe is me. And, and I think most fighters, that's, that's their, they just want what's fair. And I get that. But then you got some greedy motherfuckers that just get pissed because they see somebody else's fucking contract and they're making more. You know, I get pissed too when somebody's making, when someone's a higher rank than me and they're making more and I feel like I do more. But, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, and you have the ability to change that. You just got to figure it out. But, you know, you guys are lucky. You negotiate your contracts. I don't. I don't negotiate my contract. I can't say, hey, taxpayers, fucking pay me more for what I do in the military, um, X, Y, and Z, this is why, but you guys can. Um, so if you can make more money, then go do it. Go fucking make more money. Go negotiate that contract. See if you're worth $100,000 a fight. You might find yourself fucking working at the Starbucks, but um, if it's worth it to you, fucking do it. If you're, if you're so worried about all the things that, uh, all, the, all the pain and agony that fighting... Uh, brings, I get it. I got to take care of my family. Blah, blah, blah. Well, so is everybody else in the fucking world. You're in the same boat as anybody doing any fucking job. You know? Any cop or firefighter that risked their fucking life, you're not the only one, except you're doing it for entertainment. You're doing it for, I don't want to say selfish reasons because I fucking love the fucking sport, but you're doing it for personal glory. You're not doing it to protect people. You're not doing it to save lives. You're not doing it to, to, to save property. Even you're, you're doing it for purely entertainment. So, uh, just keep it in perspective and enjoy what you're doing. And if you don't enjoy it, then go find something else. But, um, there's a lot of people that would love the opportunity that you have. And don't forget that, that, uh, you worked hard to get that opportunity and, um, you know, just, just be tough in those negotiations and, and, uh, don't be greedy, but just look, look for what's fair. That's my opinion. And I've never, uh, fought professionally or played any professional sport, but you know, that's just the outsider looking in, you know, um, it's kind of hard to side with a billionaire company, right. Over, over, uh, a fighter, but you know, when you look at someone like Conor McGregor that thinks that he deserves stock in the company, all I can think about is would he be worth $25 million without the promotion of UFC making him into what they made him? The answer is no, because he fought in other organizations. He was a two title holder in other organizations and no one knew who the fuck he was until about four years ago. So, you know, you, I think it's a fair trade-off that that guy has, you know, $25 million in his bank account or assets or whatever else. Um, and yeah, the fuck UFC made hundreds of millions of dollars off of his name. That's because they assume all the risk, all of it. They're not taking money back if your fucking fight uh, doesn't go as planned or you know, they're, they're wanting you to win and all of a sudden you lose. You still get paid. You know, you still make your money. They are taking all the risk. So when the Fertitas were in debt and fucking having to cash their own checks just to pay bills and they're not making any money, 
if UFC would have failed, they wouldn't have been sending bills to fighters. That's just how our economics work. Is I personally like that. I like working for someone else and letting them assume the risks and they just pay me. Hey, I'll just give me whatever that we negotiate. Just pay me and you assume all the risk. You've got to worry about the lawsuits. You've got to worry about uh, workman's comp. you got to worry about all that shit. Once it's not fair, then you go somewhere else. If you can't go somewhere else, then you do something else. Or you fight from within the organization and fight for a union or or do something like that. But you just can't bitch. You just can't complain. You just can't... um, Just for the sake of of complaining. Do something about it. Um, I've already said too much. I've probably pissed some people off. But, uh, you know, I listened to, like, T.J. Dillashaw talk about how he doesn't get paid enough. He didn't, you know, he deserves a title shot and this and that. And it's, you know, if if you're not drawing the people in, um, I'm sure that they have data that shows um, I'm a I'm a fan of T.J. Dillashaw, but I'll tell you right now, if he's headlining a pay-per-view, I'm probably not buying it. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'll buy it, but I'm not buying it necessarily for him. I buy every pay-per-view, but, you know, um, are you the one that's drawing the people? Are you making them uh, 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 buy it? And if, and if you're a middle-of-the-card fighter and you're making $15,000 show money, that's pretty fucking good money when not one person is actually paying that 60 bucks for you. You're just part of the package and you get the exposure and you have the opportunity. That's what it is, is an opportunity for you to shine. And if you shine and you make a name for yourself, then maybe down the road, I will buy that pay-per-view because of you, because I saw you on an undercard. I was like, God damn, that guy was a badass fighter. I'm going to, man, I want to see him fight again. But you see all these fighters that are just boring as shit, and they and they really are just a regular milk toast everyday guy. And somehow they they believe that they deserve a fucking pension for fighting for a couple years in the UFC. Give me a fucking break, you know. Go get a real fucking job if that's what you're looking for. UFC doesn't owe you anything except an opportunity, and then you make your you write your own ticket from there. So. All right, well, I've said too much. Uh, we're, we've done over an hour. You know, I meant to do about 30 minutes, but hey, I get talking. That's why I do a podcast, because um, I like to talk. So I'm going to sign out, and we'll see you all later. Bye-bye.